This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. Photography has become an ever more crucial tool for designers. With the rise of Pinterest and Instagram, strong visuals have become increasingly important in establishing a designer's aesthetic and brand. A designer's website needs to be constantly filled and updated with an unceasing flow of beautiful images. And with fewer shelter publications and those that remain working with constrained budgets, designers can no longer rely on magazines to come and shoot their projects. In fact, many magazines now buy photography directly from a designer. But how do you find the right photographer for your work? How do you work with him or her? How much should you expect to pay? And what rights do designers need to spell out in their contracts to assure maximum flexibility in the use of the images? I have with us today two professionals who understand every aspect of this new world of photography. First is Julia Duquette the photo editor of Cherish, who was my former esteemed colleague when she served as photo editor at Elle Decor. Julia has worked with literally dozens of the best interior photographers and stylists around the world and has produced hundreds of shoots. Hello, Julia. Hi, Michael. I'm also pleased to have with me Brittany Ambridge, a Brooklyn-based photographer who specializes in interiors and portraits. She has become a favorite of both young and established designers, including Pate Lau, Hannah Waxman, Daryl Carter, Celery Kemble, and Michelle Smith-Boyd. Her work has been featured in virtually every top shelter magazine, including Architectural Digest, Domino, El Decor, and Traditional Home, as well as in several books. Welcome, Brittany. Hello. Lovely to be here. So glad you're here. So clearly, this is a big topic. I mean, I when I was young, designers would have their finished projects photograph. They would make a nice book of the images, give it to their client as kind of a gift, a thank you gift or whatever. And maybe they would have a magazine come and photograph it if they were really lucky. But that was kind of the extent of it. But now everything has changed. And designers not only have to be brilliant designers, but they have to document their projects, publicize their projects, use social media. So the whole relation between The photographer and the designer has changed. And Julia, I'd love to start with you. Well, I think that it depends on what they want. Do they want the photos for their website, their social media? Do they want to pitch it to a magazine? Do they want to do a book eventually? These are all things that they should be thinking about ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And there are so many great photographers out there. Including Brittany, of course. (laughs) Including Brittany, who I use on a regular. Right. So I think really it comes down to what their budget is. Right. Which is a huge factor, you know, depending on so many aspects of life it is. Yes. So budget, location is the project in New York. You're going to have a lot more local photographers Mm -hmm. available in New York or L.A., San Francisco. Is it in, you know, the middle of America? Are you going to have to fly somebody? Are there good locals? There's actually a lot of pretty good locals in Atlanta. I don't know. I feel like Georgia in general is Mm -hmm. like 
hotter than ever. Oh, good. <laughs> so, good to know. You know, those sort of logistical things come into play. And then also just like, what is the project? What kind of lighting, natural mm-hmm. lighting does it have? What does the photographer bring? Like, Brittany, I feel like your work is very bright and pretty light. And you sort of bring that prettiness to your photography, but not all projects. Right. That's not right for every project. Right. And so maybe you want somebody who's a little moodier. So would you suggest going on the photographer's websites? I mean, let's say the designer who's really just starting out. Yeah. Or not starting out, but is ready to have some projects photographed. They should obviously look in the magazines or go on Instagram and see what photographers they like or think would be appropriate. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And clearly, if you want to get one of the world-renowned photographers who travel, you know, like Simon Upton, who travels around or whatever the world and does that, I assume that's going to cost you more. Yes. And it'll be different when negotiating the contract, too. I mean... Okay, we're going to get into that. Okay, okay. Okay, we're going to get into that because that's very important, crucial. But I want to have Brittany weigh in here. Yes. Now, Brittany... How do you deal when designers reach out to you and say, you know, I have some projects. You're very busy. So how does that work for you on your end? Um, Let's say a designer comes to you. My rule is I like to work with nice people. So it's one of those things that like, if they're a jerk, I'm not going to work with them and I'll be conveniently busy. <laughs> you know, it's like... And, and do you have any hints to as to how you can tell that right away? <laughs> you know, because I, I know like, a lot you know, of I'm designers so would like I'm, to know I'm that as well. for the next three months. Like, I, you know, I'm just, I'm right. so sorry. But that's... Right. I'm glad you've not. never told me that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love Julia, so that would never happen. Um, we've always had a good time on our shoots. But yeah, I mean, there are people, like if I've never heard anything from them, like I'll do one shoot with them and see how it goes and if we Mm -hmm. vibe but I think for me it's like it's very much because it's a collaboration and so I feel like of course you have to vibe with the designer like from a photography perspective because they have to understand me and I have to understand them so like I once had someone you're gonna die like they hadn't done very many shoots before and they showed up with Kleenex boxes to style with and I was like no we're not doing that Kleenex boxes. Yeah, and I just like took them out and she was like, oh, I bought them for the shoot. I'm like, yeah, we're not doing that. (laughs) So I think like for some people, they wouldn't necessarily like that. I just am like, I'm not shooting that. Like I once had someone, they wanted to karate chop the the pillow from the side. And I was like, oh no, absolutely not. And and they're like, well, can we just see it? And I was like, no, I I actually, (laughs) no, I actually refuse to take that. I won't do it. Generally, I will try it if I think that it's like, it could be a good idea or if it's something that I don't know. But if it's not, I'm not going to do it. And so someone that's going to have to be okay with me being like that on a shoot, I think for the most part, I'm very easygoing, but I think, you know, it's like, but there are certain things that I won't do. And I think, so for a photographer, like, some people have different personalities, you know, like male photographers tend to be different than female photographers. The younger photographers are different than the older photographers. So I feel like you want to get to know them as people and like maybe just see like if you like talking to them because shoot should be fun. You know, it's like they're very right. high stressful. They're very expensive. It's a huge investment. So you right. should be happy. Like you should love those images. And do they usually, most of your shoots, two days? One no, day? it depends on the project. If it's like a New York project, I can usually do it in one day. In one but I day. did have a shoot, which was my biggest yet, which was 85,000 square feet. Uh, 8,500, 85,000. And that was a four-day shoot. So, wow. um, But normally yeah. they're not that long. Normally it's like right. a one or a two, but right. you know, it depends on the right. project. And how much of the 
typical like three month period. How many days are you on the road or tra- you know, traveling um, different places or doing shoots in different areas? You know, it's different with COVID. Like before mm-hmm. I would oh, I yeah. traveled what a is ton. It? Yeah. Right. It's like I traveled a ton. Like I was like going all over the place and I was shooting internationally since COVID, especially because there was like the quarantine period. So I didn't really travel that much during like, cause like I got a shoot request for Nashville and it was going to be a two week quarantine period coming home. And I was right. like, I'm so, not sorry, dude. Like I would love to no. shoot it, but I'm not, I'm not quarantining for two weeks for a one day shoot. Like, yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. now no, I'm vaccinated sense. and like, it's different. Things are starting to open up, but for the most part, I've been I would say the majority, like 80% of my shoots have been New York the last couple of months. And I've only done a couple travel shoots, but, but normally it's more than that. So I think as things open up, it'll be. Right. 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 Now, in terms of contracts, like Julia, I'm sure you've advised many designers and obviously you work with Cherish, which uses a lot of images by lots of different designers. And I know Cherish finds designers on their websites and through social media and all that. So what are the principal things that a a designer needs to keep in mind when they're drawing up their contract? Because it used to be when we were doing magazines, we would have the rights to the photos for a year, then they would revert to the photographer, then the designer would have to apply to the photographer if they wanted to do a book. But I know that's all been blown up. Social media has changed all of that. So what's left? What what are the important points? Well, I think the main thing which a lot of people naively just don't understand is that the photographer always owns the copyright. Unless it's specified otherwise, the photographer always owns the images. So that's a crucial point. Yes. And so this is why like celebrities are always getting sued for like Instagramming paparazzi photos of themselves because they don't own the rights, nor do they have a license to that photograph. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny. So we'll get submissions sometimes and interior designers are like, wait, I don't understand. I designed the room. I commissioned the photographer. I paid them, but they're saying I have to pay or you have to pay to use the image on your site. And I'm just not understanding that. And it goes back to, okay, whoever clicks the shutter is the copyright owner. And what you need to do ahead of time is identify how you intend on using the images. So is it just Oh, that's so interesting. Because the photographer is the artist. It's like the designer is the artist who made the room, but the photographer is the artist who made the image. Exactly. And so it's like who made the painting, right? They own the copyright. It's the same kind of thing. And so... Basically, if it's just for portfolio purposes for your website, that's one thing, right? Because it's not, that's it. You're just using it on your website. The photographer is like, A-OK, that's great. Then there is, well, we want to pitch it to a magazine. What if the magazine wants to pick it up? Usually the magazine will pay for that separately. And then there's also third party, right? So Michael Boudreaux, interior designer, Brittany Ambridge shoots your project. You're going to be featured on Cherish. Cherish is then the third party. And so you have to identify that sort of usage with the photographer. Like, hey, it's promotion of my work because the feature is on me, but Cherish is also a website that sells furniture. And makes a profit. Hopefully, we all hope. Hopefully. So I think that the third party usage is where people kind of 
have a hard time understanding that. But basically, if you're handing the photos to anybody else, physically, digitally, whatever, Mm -hmm. you want the photographer to be in the loop. And often it's like, you know, there's attribution requirements or whatever. And like, we always honor those. We always credit our photographers and interior designers. Yeah, because I was going to say, that's one of the areas that the photographers have sort of been screwed. Those of us who were in traditional media, we've all been sort of screwed over by the internet and social media. I love photographers. I love photography and we want to help them. So, But you do see on Instagram and Pinterest that people do not attribute the photographer. Totally. And I just think that's awful. It happens to me quite a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah. it's very frustrating. Yeah. Like in my contract, it says that if it's on social media, they literally have to give me visible credit, not just tag. Mm-hmm. It has to be a visible credit. But a lot of people don't pay attention, I guess. And they don't So does it. visible credit mean, you know, photography by at? Yep. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Like just as long as people can read it, because I think it's like a credit line. It used to be in a magazine. Exactly. And I think like designers get very confused because they're like, what's my work? And it's like, right. But it wouldn't look like that if it wasn't for me, because a lot of these projects are pitch black rooms and they're 30 second shutter speeds. And you know, it's like, that is actually not how that room looks. So you have to give me credit for that. It does kind of hurt my soul a little bit because a lot of time and effort goes into each and every image and like to not get credit for it. It really, it does bother me. So I think like designers do need to be good about photo credits. And Brittany, when you make like a somewhat standard contract with a designer, I'm sure you make exceptions, but so what does that entail? So what do you ask for? And what are the designers? Yeah, so a shoot with me. um, So basically any like website usage is included. Any book usage for their own personal books are, are included. Social media is included. Editorial, they have to go through my stock agency, Auto. Julia's worked with them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, right. They negotiate the rights with the magazines because a lot of times the magazines will pay. Some, mm-hmm. If it's like online usage, they often don't. But it's really important that we know where the images are because the issue, and I used to give editorial, but the problem with that is a lot of times if there's multiple parties, like if an architect and a designer and a landscape person, mm-hmm. they all are paying for this one shoot. How does that work if everybody has all of the rights? So I once had an instance where the architect, and it was an architect and a designer, they had commissioned the shoot, but they weren't talking to each other. And so <laughs> the architect, I mean, not they weren't avoiding that shoot, happens. They, yeah, exactly. But they weren't like, they weren't working together about it. And right. the architect got it like, a, you know, an exclusive for a magazine. And I had to sign an exclusive embargo on it. And then the designer had pitched it, but didn't tell anyone that they had pitched it and like pitched it to a magazine. And the magazine didn't say that they were going to run the images. So they, you know, didn't know. And then it got published and like they Ooh. just published it. And so she called me and she's like, I'm so That's- sorry. Like, I didn't know like the, you know, and I was like, well, I'm in trouble now because this right. was a cover. Right for this other magazine and like I signed an exclusive. So now I'm like, my people manage it. It's like, because it's just more efficient. And when it comes to budgets, I don't ever have the designer pay anymore. If it gets published, I don't want the designer paying. If the magazine doesn't pay, I have given the directive that it should still get published. I don't want that to be a That's very generous. Right. And most photographers don't do that. You know, I think like most photographers don't, but I feel like, you know, it's important. They've spent a lot of money. I don't want them to mm-hmm. like not have their project picked up. Um, but if somebody else, if they didn't pitch it and somebody else wants to run it, 
you got to license those images, you know, and if it's right. for commercial use, absolutely. You've got to license those images because one of those images could be selling 10 grand worth of product, you know, so I should get paid for that. And that's another big change with the internet. And Jill, you know about this was exclusivity, you oh, know, yes. like embargoing things like that is another, you know, the fence is down and the bulls are running wild with exclusivity because, I mean, it started even when I was at El, we were both at El Decor when people were doing a website and social media was like, or would you take it off your website until we publish it? And and it's a lot to ask for people. And now I just feel it's like a free-for-all. Yes, you know? yes. But I, I don't know how you control it. Right, yeah. And also, Brittany, you know, you bring up a good point because a lot of the shelter publications and like Hearst and Condé Nast, they have a lot of the international editions. And totally. And they get, at least when we were at El Decor and... I know Condé Nast operates the same way. They get first dibs on the stories. And it's kind of like, I mean, I guess it's more when they shoot for Condé Nast, less for the designer. But I can see how it could get kind of jumbled if a story is published and it goes into the database. And then whoever in Russia or whatever edition is like, oh, I'm interested in, I want to run that. We want first dibs. You don't know necessarily, like, ahead of time that it's going to that publication. That's why it's good to have all of it, like, written up front, and you need the correspondence and communication around it. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying our podcast. My name is Anna Brockway, and I'm the co-founder and president of Cherish. If you're a designer who's struggling with long lead times from suppliers and increasingly impatient clients, now is the time to shop with us. Our vintage antique and one-of-a-kind inventory is ready to ship right now. To learn more, visit Cherish.com. That's C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H.com. And now back to the show. And now, Brittany, when you're doing the work negotiating with the designer and your, your contract, are there sticking points that some people, some of the designers find hard to take or things that you like say, this has, absolutely has to be part of it? What would you say was the most difficult thing for them to understand? I mean, I think it's the editorial usage. I think mm-hmm. that like a lot of the younger photographers haven't had as many issues. And so they just give all of their rights away. And I know when I first started, I I didn't know any better. So I was like, sure, I don't care. I'm glad I'm getting published. Who cares? But I think like now, now it like has become an issue because of the exclusivity and all of that. So it has been for some people an issue. And so I will put in my contract that when there are budgets, like the magazines will pay something. And if there are not budgets, they can move forward. And that's kind of how I alleviated that. But yeah, some people want all rights and they won't hire me because of that, which I'm like, okay, well, I'm not a good fit for you. You know, like I feel like I work really hard and I'm a really good photographer. And I feel like I should be able to like kind of manage where my work ends up. You know, it's like, cause there's also places that you don't want to be associated with, you know? And so it's like, I don't want totally. to be like on some like dime store magazine, you know? So I right. feel like it's my work, you know? So it's my art. So I feel like I am particular about that, but most people that are kind of my level and in, you know, that range, you look at auto, look at who they rep. Like they rep all of the really amazing photographers, you know? So I feel like if you want a certain caliber of photographer, like Douglas Friedman's not letting everyone use all of his images all the time. There's no way he's letting them do that, you know? But like Joe Blow. Nor should he. Nor should he, right, exactly. And I think that's what people don't get. It's like, 
we have a different business model than interior designers do. Like we don't probably shoot every day. Like the, our images are our product, you know? And I once had an instance where it was, I shot for a show house and they wanted to give all of the images to everybody who helped donate to the show house, like that helped them. And I was like, that's not okay. Like, I'm sorry. And they're like, but it's for charity. And I was like, but that's my product. Like, and also the, the brands that were using it, you know, the, who were, they weren't doing it for charity. They were doing exactly. it for their bottom line. Exactly. And I was like, you can use it on your Instagram, but I can, you can't be selling product with my work. Like, that's not okay. You know, like you need to license that. And they were pretty upset about it. You know, it's not right. It's like, it's, my product. And it's like, if you order an appetizer at a restaurant and you like only have two things and there's three people there, they're not going to give you three. You're going to have to buy another order. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like that's just totally. how it works. You know, right. people don't understand right. because, because photography is like electronic. You just, you know, and it, once it's out there, it spreads and people repost it. And, you know, so it's like, it's harder to manage. People don't think of it as a product, but, but, it's but it, is. it is. And it, you know, it reminds me of those early days on the internet when, you know, Music with everybody was the thought, you know, that was a mantra content wants to be free, you know, and I was like, yeah, but, you know, my my mortgage doesn't seem to want to be free. You know, <laughs> my monthly grocery bill is not free. So but I do think photography really took it in the neck in a way, because the instant that, you know, people could, oh, I'll email you this. I'll text you the shot. I'll I need it for Instagram. All of that stuff. It really was detrimental, I think, to the artist, the photographer. And, you know, I think that's been a shakedown period and people have gotten better about it, but I think there's a long way to go. Yeah, I think another issue for me is people use images from the contact sheets. They'll take like screenshots and then post them on Instagram and they are not allowed to do that. Like, that's like not because they're not retouched. They're low res images, but because once they're, and they're on not the internet, approved by you, they're not exactly. And also they maybe didn't pay for them. And that's happened to me. Like, cause I have a limit of how many images are given per day. Cause I'm particularly fast. There are some photographers that get like four or five shots a day. I can get 20 plus. So I usually cap my day at 20 images. And then if there are more then I do an a la carte per image, if we shoot it, great. But like, I don't think like I should be penalized for being fast, you know, because there's some right. photographers who like, it will take three days to shoot what I can do in one day. So I have had instances where it was an image they didn't even pay for. And then they posted it on Instagram and it was not retouched. They didn't give me a photo credit and it, they didn't even pay for it. And that's technically theft, you know, right. it's like, that's right. not cool, but because it's so easy, you know, with technology and everything. And once it's published online, you can't get it down. Like it spreads everywhere. And my work gets spread everywhere. So yeah. it's like, you can't really monitor it. I mean, it's flattering because your your work is good and that's why it's spread. But, on the, but yes, but you worked hard for that. And I think it's a matter of, and I think this is one reason why we wanted to do this episode is, you know, it's respect one artist respecting another artist, you know? And it's like, you're you're in this together, as you were saying, it's a, it's a collaboration. And it has to be on, I think that's why the contracts are so important and that designers have to understand what is involved and what's not, you know. Now, I want to get into, okay, and here's it's a big question for a lot of designers. People who are listening, I want to get them to have a sense of the range of prices. Like, let's say, like, Julia, what do you think? Like, like let's say you have a one-day shoot with a local photographer as opposed to like Douglas Friedman or Simon Upton or Bill Abranowitz or Bill Waldron. What's the range of like, like a one to two day shoot for a project that is, you know, designer Eric Piasecki, you know, what, you know. I think it depends on the usage and I think it depends on 
Well, it depends on the contract, really, and also the shot count, like Brittany said. You know, there are a lot of variables, but I would say if you so want So that's to- another thing that needs to go into the contract is the number of shots. Okay, that's yes. good. Yes, my contract is the number yeah. of shots. Okay. So, okay. and it's, it's interesting because, like, some photographers, they don't care as much about shot count, and they might be the slower photographers. And then others, they're all about the usage. So it's it's kind of like it just depends. But— if you want a range, I mean, it could be anywhere from two thousand to five thousand, six thousand dollars. It just a depends. Day. Yes, right. it just depends on the usage. It depends on who you're hiring. It depends on what kind of gear they need for the location. Right, and travel time. You have to pay for t- travel time, obviously. Right. Yeah, right. and so I think the important thing to communicate from the get go is, hey, I have this project. It's in Manhattan. It's got a lot of natural light. Here are the scouting shots. You want really good. I mean, scouting shots don't have to be really good. They can be iPhone shots. But I think you really need to capture the full space so the photographer can understand what sort of lighting they need to bring, what they can leave out. I mean, most photographers come with all the stuff. But, you know, there's a lot of variables. But I do know some photographers who will give the designers all the usage and all the things, and they just say, okay, here's the contract, you have everything, it's $3,000 a day. It doesn't matter what the house looks like. And then if there's travel, travel's on top of right, that. Right, right. I think, yeah, it just depends. It right. Just, well, it's a range. It's like, you know, any range, other artwork. Yeah. You're going to pay more for a Picasso than right. you are for, <laughs> you know, a young first-time artist in the, the in Lower East Side. right. I think one thing, too, to keep in mind, some photographers, like, my work is retouched, 100% retouched. Right. So it is editorial ready, and right. so that is part of my price range. So it's like, and I'm actually okay with saying, like, a one-day shoot with me with 20 images is about $5,000. Okay. That includes the retouching. That's You're very forthcoming, and I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it's, right. it's supposed to be helpful, right? We're right. supposed to help designers. That's kind good. Of, and I think a lot of times people do get sticker shock when they see, like, what my rates are. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, retouching is included, and the— And that's and very time-consuming. That's expensive. Time-consuming. I know that from, Yeah. Retouching is very expensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, thankfully, I have amazing retouchers who give me a break. They actually charge a lot more because they work for Bloomingdale's and, you know, they do jewelry and stuff. Like, they're very high-end. So, they actually give me a solid and they, like, give me a discount. Because they like working with nice people. Exactly. And it pays (laughs) off, you know? It's good for them because then they get consistent work and, you know, it's like, and I give them as much as I can. I give them all of my work. So, but for me, it's like, I, you know, I like, I like having it perfect, ready for a magazine. Like I want it done. And some photographers, like there have been instances where I've shot the same project as a photographer, which was awkward, but it's like, but when the images came out, it's like, I, mine were retouched and theirs weren't, you know, it's like, and you could see the difference, you know? So I think like when you're making the decision of who to hire, do you like seeing the cords? Do you like seeing the outlets? Do you like seeing the recess lighting? I don't. I hate it. I call it wall acne. I don't want to see it. So it it comes out, you know? So I think like it's important. It's like, do you want to see what's outside the windows or does that not matter to you? You know, it's like, is it a really dark space? Does it need multiple, is it a composite where it's multiple exposures, you know? So I think you have to think about that. Like the the younger photographers are going to be cheaper, for sure. Right. Of course. Yes. They're not, you know, but that's because they don't have the experience and like their right. work is not And they're hungry and they need to get clients. Right. Exactly. 
But you bring up a very good point. I once, when I was at, at El Decor, I got a letter from a man claiming that we were lying to the public and that the magazine was full of fake images because we didn't show any light switches, we didn't show any cords, we didn't that, that was not real. And you know, my answer to that, which is my answer to anybody, is when you walk into a room, you don't notice the switches or the plugs. That's a, sort of the last thing you notice. But in a photograph, that's often the first thing you notice. So it, actually. Unretouched photos are kind of a distortion of the way you perceive a room. Yes, I have cords here and, you know, you'll see cords, but I, that's hopefully not what anyone walking into my apartment would see and say, oh, look, he's got 12 cords in this room or there's three light switches. And I think that actually the retouching is really important and it just is actually more truthful to the way you perceive a room than not. So now speaking sort of along the same line, I'd love to get a sense, and Julia, we've worked with tons of stylists, but how do you think designers should think about stylists? We actually did an episode, What Does a Stylist Do? And we had some stylists on it. I thought they made a really strong case. But Brittany, do you like to work with stylists? How do you think most designers need them? Yes, I think, so styling for photos is different than styling for a room. And so like for a room, it is the experience of it. You know, you walk in and there's a lot of space. The camera does some weird things, you know? So it's like, you don't necessarily know because you haven't like worked that way. A stylist, if I can get a stylist on set, it makes me much happier because if there isn't a stylist on set, that means I have to do it. And it's a very different part of the brain and it's, I am exhausted. You know, it's imbalancing the photo aspect plus the styling. And it's like, it's very exhausting. So I think if you can, definitely get a stylist. It's worth the investment. The thing about designers, like they're so attached to their projects. Like they've right. spent years and on them. So. And absolutely. It's like they've spent years. I'm there for a day. I don't care. And that's that's why it's a plus that I, you know, I mean, I care, but it's like, I'm not as emotionally attached right. to it. I just right. want the image to be beautiful, you know? And it's like, for them, they're like, I want to see, oh, look at this like finish. And I'm like, it won't show up on camera. We need to focus on the, you know, the overall view, you know, we need to have the feeling of the room. It's like, we, we don't care. Like I want someone was like, oh, but did you see this? tiny little mold. I'm like, no one cares. I'm sorry, but like no one cares. Not from a magazine. You know, I'm like, you have to be sitting in the room for an hour before you notice it, which is one of the pleasures of being in the room. I'm like, I can appreciate it that I'm here, but in a magazine, when it's a fourth of a page, no one will see it. Especially if you're shooting for editorial pitches, you absolutely need a stylist because they'll bring flowers. They know you know, sometimes they know how to frame the photo. They'll switch out art in rooms. And, you know, as a designer, you're like, the art belongs here. This chair belongs here. But they might, you know, you see things differently. The stylist sees things differently. And they'll say, well, it'll photograph better if we switch out this piece of art with this piece and move this sofa here. It just makes for a better photo. And so I think that, you know, there's different lenses there's there's all these factors where it's like you have to exaggerate things in photos, you know, and scale things back sometimes. Well, um, it's interesting because I think designers see it as a three-dimensional space and that's their talent. They think three-dimensionally. But a stylist or a photographer thinks in terms of an image, which is yes. flat, you yeah, know, exactly. and that's the difference. You mm-hmm. know, like I can't tell you how many pictures we've seen, we would look at in scouting shots and it was like, a dining room and you see all these chairs around the table and oh my God, it looks like there's a million chairs. When you're in that room, (laughs) 
it doesn't seem like there's a million chairs. It's like we're ready for a dinner party and that's fine. But, you know, a stylist will realize that it's too crowded. It's too, you know, I used to tell people, designers too, you know, take some black and white shots of your room just with your camera, switch it to black and white mode. And, and you'll see like the room is beautiful. It works. It's happy. Perfect. But when you see it as a flat thing, you might say, oh, there's a big empty space under this console table that looks like nothingness and it becomes the focus of the picture because a picture is different than a room. Yes. But I think people don't often understand that. So, yeah. And like bookshelves will get real junky sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And so the stylist comes in and they'll like take everything off the bookshelves and completely rearrange it in such a way that photographs really beautifully. And when you're sort of in a space every day, I feel like we all get used to our junk, right? Of course, and of we're course. blind to it. And so even as a designer who's very attached, who's been at the house for two years or whatever, it's harder to see those things because you're in it every day. You need someone who's like a neutral party. And I think a stylist is very helpful in that way because they know what you're going for. They get the feel of it, but they can make it feel the way that it actually is in the photo. You know, it's like, and I think it's important for the photographer to also understand that narrative. That's why you have to have a photographer that like you vibe with because they need to get your vision because something in like in the existence, like it's going to feel differently when it's 2D. And so you have to like trust the people that you hire. It's hard for people sometimes to kind of like, let go of the control a little bit, but I think you hire a really good stylist. The other thing to remember too is photographers and stylists, we see a lot. And so we see the trends way faster than everybody else. So a stylist is going to be like, I've already seen that pillow 300 times. We're not using it. But a designer's like, but I love it. It's so great. And it's like, it's over. It's over. It was <laughs> like by the time this comes out in six months, it's over, you know? So, and it, even like flowers, the styling for flowers has changed. Totally. We used to joke at El Decor, you know, there used to be a joke that like, oh, Anita Sarcidi, watch out any hydrangeas in the area because, you know, they're going to come in. And listen, I remember in the 80s that you never saw a photograph of a kitchen without a bowl of green apples. I mean, those right. green apples were right. ubiquitous. Those kind of trends, you know, almost designer trends. And you have to watch out for them because, you know, trends are great, but you don't want to become a servant to them. And, and like, as you were saying, Brittany, you guys have a much better sense of when the trend is fading. And you don't right. want to catch the tail end of the No, of you the definitely trend. do not. Absolutely. And sometimes magazines will hold stories for like a year. Right. Oh, we did that. Sometimes yeah. I get yelled at for it, but it just happens sometimes. So yeah. you couldn't avoid it. Because it's seasonal. and Yeah. And so you have to, yeah, especially a seasonal one, you do a fall shoot and it's, you know, has to wait a year or whatever. So you have to make sure that it's not too trendy because you don't want to look back and say, oh, we never should have put that in or those flowers look really dated. Nobody does that anymore, you know. Brittany, I want to ask you a little about books because, it, you know, more and more designers are doing books. I think they're not getting as much coverage in the shelter magazines as maybe they would like or they fairly far along in their career. And some of them are not so far along. Maybe they have big social media followings and they have a lot of fans. I mean, you mentioned that you give the rights for books. But yes, when it's their own book, yeah. When it's their own book. But if, okay, let's say there's a compilation, because you've had photographs in compilation books as yeah. well. Is that, is that different? So they have to license those through my agency. Same so, same thing. Yeah. Okay. And has any designer come to you and said, you know, I want to re-photograph all of my projects? Because I know some very successful designers will do that. They'll hire a photographer to go back and because they want consistency of vision for the book. Is that something that you would want to have happen? I would be okay with that. I haven't had that happen too much. 
I think that books, like it depends on what it is, but it is nicer if you have a consistent voice. I feel like like photographers have a very particular point of view. And like, if you have a lot of different photographers in a book, it's really hard for it to feel cohesive. Like it's going to feel more like a magazine. So I think like if you have a specific perspective, it is important if you can to have like what maybe one or two people do it. Um, But so far, like I've shot a lot with Charlotte Moss and like I've been in a couple of her books. I don't know. She's never had me like redo anything but she'll be like I want some fresher shots I want to get this like we've shot at her like East Hampton house and like her Upper East Side Brownstone like a bunch of different times and she'll be like oh I just want to do like we just did her flowers book and she was like I wanted to oh that's a beautiful new flower it's so beautiful you know super fun to do too you know but for that like there were other photographers but I shot like half of it I think and then she actually contributed a lot of the photography which a lot of people don't know like she's a photographer as yes so um yeah so I think like I don't know. It, it hasn't been my experience, but I think if you want it to have a consistent feel, it would be a good idea if you can. That's a very good point. It's like, I don't want it to sound like I think designers don't understand photography because I knew know several designers and architects who are wonderful photographers. So, but I think a lot of designers aren't so, they think about the rooms and whatever. Charlotte is an incredible photographer and there's a, there's whole books of designer and photographers, architects, photography, and I think they're really, really strong. But not everybody is. And it's just something I think that people need to think about. Well, I think for her, it's her strength. You know, she's good at shooting detail shots of flowers. But when it came to the room, she knew she needed someone who was more like experienced. So I think it's like if you have the talent, like have fun with it, but know what your limits are. Like if you want something to be a certain way and you want it to be a certain caliber, then you hire the professionals, you know. Right. And some designers know all about photo rights too, which is very refreshing. Yeah, no, it will <laughs> and hopefully more will after this yeah. after listening to this podcast because it's such an important part of their work now. I mean, I I know designers say, "Oh, it's so much time to do social media or I have to hire somebody to do social media." But that's a change in the industry and there's no way to avoid it anymore. It just is part of how you get your work out there and how you get your name out there. And I mean, I know certain book publishers who won't publish a designer's book unless they have an X number of followers on Instagram or, you know, Pinterest or whatever, because that is now it used to be, oh, you have four projects in Architectural Digest. We want to do your book on your career. That doesn't work the same way anymore. It's a change and they've just got to grapple with all of this. So A, you need to know, they need to figure out which, you know, the project they're getting, who would be a good photographer for it? And that, and the only way to do that is to look at lots of different photographers. I mean, you know, do you want it sort of shadowy and moody? Then maybe you want Stephen Ken Johnson or, (laughs) you know, or do you want it bright and energetic? Brittany, you know, go for Brittany. Or there's a range of styles of photography just as there are in decor. You know, is it traditional? Is it more avant-garde? Is it whatever? So I guess they have to do that. And then, but should they feel intimidated about approaching photographers? Because let's say, you know, there are some people who are big name photographers and, you know, I'm always intimidated by a big name, as you know, Julia. <laughs> so how do they get over that fear? They just go through the agent? or Well, they- if there is an agent, always go to the agent first. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the agent gets, you know. They get it, pissy. Exactly. <laughs> so always go to the agent first. And the agent, the questions will be, what's the usage? What's the budget, if there is one, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Shot count, budget, usage, location, etc. 
And no, no one should be intimidated. You know, we're all just people. <laughs> <laughs> Easy for you to say, Jill. You, nobody intimidated you. <laughs> I never saw you intimidated by a single photographer. I think photographers should not be intimidating. If they are, you maybe shouldn't work with them. Like yeah. if you're too afraid yes. to even email them, then you right. should not have them photograph your project because you're going to be too, like if you don't like something and you're fr- afraid of them, you're not going to tell them that you don't like it and then you're going to hate your photos, you know? Good point. It's almost the same as a client with a designer. You know, mm-hmm. if a client goes to a designer who's intimidating or snooty or whatever, back off. It's not going to work. You know, totally. It's not going to work. Gonna work. Right. Oh, and this is why designers will go back to the same photographer and stylist over decades sometimes. Right. You know, well, there's they a comfort always, level. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, you know, it, even as a photo editor, right? Like, I know which photographers are going to be trickier to work with and which, and depending on the project, I'm like, okay, like, I can use so-and-so for this project, but then for this other one where I need it to be kind of like, I just need someone to be kind of chill. <laughs> then right, I'll go right. with somebody else. And you also knew which stylist not to put with which photographers because that's oh, another. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's another thing. <laughs> that can be a tricky one. Right. Absolutely. You know. can be a tricky oh, one. yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's personalities affect every aspect of creativity. So it's For not surprising. For sure. Some you know. photographers and stylists are like oil and water. And so what I, I say... It's good to always ask the photographer what stylist they like working with because, I mean, it's just like when you do portraits, you know, you ask, like, if it's a celebrity portrait, you ask, like, okay, who is your wardrobe and hair and makeup and yada, 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 all that. Photographers have preferences on studios that they shoot in, which doesn't apply here. But, like, all those things, I would just always ask the photographer, like, what stylist you like working with? And or who do you think would be appropriate for this project? This is what I envision. We learned that the hard way at Elle Decor. Yes, we did. (laughs) I think with stylists too, like certain stylists are good at working with like what's already there. Some stylists are good at working from nothing and creating. We work at Cherish, like me and Julia, we've worked with Martin Bourne, who's really amazing. Oh, he's the best. Oh, he's lovely. up with things out of nothing, like literally nothing. And he comes up with beauty. Or there's like Frances Bailey, who's like, really, she will get there. She will dig in the bushes and get you beautiful flowers. Like, Mm -hmm. we will just do, like, you know, that woman, like, she works very hard and is a very good stylist. And, you know, so I feel like there are... There are stylists that I really like to work with, but yeah, it's a personality thing. It's like, I think like you want someone who like, it's totally fine. Like, I feel like if someone doesn't like something, I'm okay with it. Just tell me you don't like it and we'll like figure out a solution, you know? But sometimes there have been instances where like they haven't been like, I guess, kind about it. And then I'm like, okay, this is going to be an unpleasant couple of hours, you know? So it's like, you just have to have someone that you can work with very well, you know? And that, because it should be fun at the end of the day. Like we make beauty for a living, you know? It's like, we're very lucky to get to do what we do. So I think, why make it like hard on yourself? Like don't work with people with huge egos, work with people that you like and that understand your vision. Yes. What I think. Great advice. This has been so informative and helpful, and I think our listeners are really going to value this, all the information you've provided. So I want to thank you, Julia Duquette and Brittany Ambridge. Thank you so much, and thank everyone for listening to the Cherish Podcast. You've been listening to the Cherish Podcast, brought to you, of course, by Cherish, which was recently voted by the readers of USA Today as the best place to shop online for furniture and home decor. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague. Or better yet, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word. And we would love your ideas for future episodes. 
please email us at podcast at cherish.com. The Cherish Podcast is produced by Britta Muller and engineered by Hangar Studios in New York. Until next time. <music>